Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. My name is Colleen. Today we have on an amazing guest, Danny Williamson. She is a functional medicine nurse practitioner and the author of Wild and Well, Danny's Six Common Sense Steps to Radical Healing. It just addresses so many things that midlife women face, such as sleep, such as your digestive health. I mean, she talks about the importance of pooping so much, which it is. It is important. Isn't that funny? You know, like when we were younger, you were embarrassed. You wanted to pretend like you didn't poop. Like, well, you know, most people do, but I don't. And it's like, oh my God, if you don't, you're really in trouble. We're going to find out in this interview today so much about the quality of sleep, electromagnetic fields that are in your bedroom that I didn't think about. You're going to really learn something about your iPhone too and or your mobile phone and how far you can keep it from you. That is really amazing in there. But just even nutrition. I mean, Danny herself suffered through years of IBS and things going wrong with her and lupus and how she finally just, how she worked through it and decided that she needed to address this and find the answers just things, you know, just uh, the exercise that you need, the things that you can do for your body to help keep your memory going and how much things can be preventable, um, how we can be preventive rather than reactive to what's going on in our body. And so that's really a great thing for all of us, you know, especially at midlife to put these things into practice. Because I think, I know for me, I'm facing that age where, okay, this isn't a dress rehearsal anymore. All this stuff is serious. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I probably mentioned it. I don't know if I've mentioned it on here in past interviews I have on TikTok that there was some question with my liver. My liver enzymes were way up. And so I was having to go. I was having blood tests done. I had a liver ultrasound. Everything came back great with that. Then I had to have a liver, liver fibroid test done. And it's it was really quick. Like I just laid down and they put this thing that does this like thumping or against where my liver is. And it checked the liver stiffness and to see if I had a fatty liver, which my enzymes were indicating that I did not. It came back. I did not have any signs of fatty liver. Um, so then I had another blood test and all my enzymes were back to normal. Another thing, and this is just me individually, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor I don't know what to tell you, but for me, I have to be very careful about supplements that I take. I have to be really careful about that. Uh, there were some vitamins that I was taking. I was probably taking too many. I'm not for sure that's what it was, but I stopped that. I didn't have alcohol. Um, what else? I didn't take any pain medications. Like, and It's not like I take painkillers because I can't take some of those. They make me nauseated. But Tylenol, because I do get headaches. You know, I do suffer from migraines. I quit taking any Tylenol or, you know, I'm sorry, Tylenol, <laughs> anything with acetaminophen in it, I quit taking. And I'm so happy that everything is good, but I needed to take steps to figure out what's going on with my body and what I need to do for my body to eliminate things that aren't good for it. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today we have on Danny Williamson. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm excited. This will be fun. One of the things that I think we should start with is just talking about 
the state of women's health care right now and how a lot of when we go to doctors, it's reactive as opposed to being proactive. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, you bet it's reactive. You know, I spent as a young woman, I spent 24 years seeing doctors as a woman from age 24 to 44. Well, 20 to 44, very reactive four colonoscopies before I was 44, endoscopies, diagnosed with anxiety, not sorry, depression, um, heartburn, irritable bowel syndrome, lupus, and fibromyalgia, not proactive at all. In fact, I had a rheumatologist look me square in the eye when I was 35 years old. She said, Danielle, there is no cure for lupus. It kills women every year. Here's your pain medicine. Here's your anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I talked about it all in the book, you know. And so I was treated, I, 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 like everyone else, we treated symptoms, right? Symptom after symptom, never getting to the root cause. Because here's the thing, ladies, whether you are 34 years old or you're 57 like me, we were not born sick, most likely. Some people are born sick. Most of us, though, turn on our chronic lifestyle diseases. Those are diseases turned on by your lifestyle, diseases turned off by your lifestyle. And I was 44 years old before I ever knew that I could reverse lupus and irritable bowel syndrome and, you know, chronic itching and depression. So I'm living proof that whatever we've turned on, we can turn off. And, you know, your book, there's so many factors that are involved with what's going on in our body. And you also talk about childhood trauma. And Yeah, the book, you know, listeners, the book out there has such great questions just to ask yourself as you're going down your ACE score. Can you talk a little bit about that? Woo. Okay, well, that's a whole podcast. But yeah. the, the, <laughs> ACE, the ACE questionnaire, and we won't get into the history of it because it takes a long time, but it's... 10 questions that were developed by this with the CDC and Kaiser Permanente, an insurance company, looking at childhood trauma. What happened to you emotionally, physically, verbally, um, sexually, and then other, of course, there's 10 questions, before the age of 18, right? Did someone go to prison? Were you molested? Yes, I was. Were you beat up? Yes, I was. I mean, this is me. Um, you know, did someone get divorced? Were you hungry? Did, and, and so uh, was your mother beaten in front of you? Did someone go to prison? It is fascinating. And I spent the first 10 years of my practice, because I went back to school old, so I didn't get out until I was um, 40, 44 um, to, as a nurse practitioner. I missed a lot of this the first probably eight to nine years with my patients because what happens to you before the age of 18 can set you up for a lifetime of chronic disease. And that's what happened to me. I grew up in complete chaos, molested, like I said, beat up by another stepfather. I mean, a mother with child with um, uh, mental illness. And so it turned on that IBS and that anxiety and the chronic itching and all. So childhood trauma, what we've discovered, probably 60% of the population or more have at least two adverse childhood experiences. And I tend to get the patients who've got six, seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10. And those are the ones that we're dealing with, with chronic disease, autoimmune disease, depression, your score is four or higher, 
four or more adverse childhood experiences, you've got a 20-year shortened lifespan. That's what the research shows. My score is a six. Wow. wow. If, if you do take this test or you do have a chronic condition, yes. what's the first thing you tell patients? I know a lot of us immediately go, it's inflammation. That's what we hear. Yep. That's the buzzword. It's inflammation. Right. But what do you do when a patient comes in and says, I have IBS, I have some kind of chronic condition? Yeah, the very first thing I do, it is inflammation, right? Because yeah, for sure, anything that, that ends in itis is, has an inflammatory component. But we know that all chronic disease has an inflammatory undertone. We don't know yet what it is or what causes it. The majority of the time, it's the diet, and which is the, how I start. I start my patients with an anti-inflammatory elimination diet. What are the top seven foods that create the most inflammation with people? The most, gluten, dairy, soy, corn, sugar, eggs, and peanuts. Eggs? What do you mean, Danny? I eat eggs every day. Yeah. Eggs were the number one for me on my food sensitivity 13 years ago. My body hates eggs. Hates eggs. So we start with an elimination, bringing down the inflammatory response in the body. We start with diet, but also we have to get into, you know, my steps, right? Which are eat well, sleep well, move well, poop well, de-stress well, and commune well. It's all connected. But we start with an elimination and removing foods that we know create chronic inflammation in people. If you have heartburn, if you have IBS, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, joint pain, migraine, headaches, right, um, anxiety, depression, then that's a gut issue. I know that. Until proven otherwise, that's a gut problem. 80% of all serotonin in the human body is in the small intestine. It's not in the brain. So when the gut's on fire, the brain's on fire. It's a direct correlation here. And there's your depression and ADD and ADHD and all those things. So we start with an elimination. That's what we do. That's the first thing we do is start eliminating foods and maybe get them on a good probiotic. I mean, everyone's different, right? All three of us here would have something different that I would be working with. But the bottom line is we start controlling what's at the end of their fork because we tend to eat the same 12 foods our entire and entire life. And we feed our children the same five or six meals their entire life. We're designed for diversity. That's how we're supposed to be eating. Somehow we have all these fruits and vegetables and we don't eat them. We don't eat them. So we start with getting diversity back in the gut and um, removing whatever it is that's causing the inflammation. Now also could be that you're not sleeping well. I think sleep and diet go hand in hand. It's, it's something that really affects midlife women. I mean, that it, it happens, you know, during that time. It happens all the time. You have it's stages yeah. of life. Stress, you have a new baby. And then midlife, it's like, hello, three o'clock. Here I am wide awake. You know, That's exactly right. And so I slept all night long, even with babies. My kids slept great. Fantastic. I mean, that's great for me because I need sleep. But until I went through menopause, I slept beautifully. And then once I went through menopause, I don't sleep poorly, but I wake up two and three times a night. I go right back to sleep. I mean, I take a lot of magnesium, a lot of lots of things, you know, that help me sleep, progesterone and things like that. But your body heals 
when you sleep. If you don't sleep well, you will never eat well. And you for sure are not going to exercise well, right? Move well. Your body heals when you sleep. That bedroom has got to be a sanctuary and it has to change because when we were younger, we could just walk in there and fall over and go sound asleep in the middle of a, a nasty bedroom that's got mess everywhere, you know, and clothes piled and computers and TVs and all of that. The bed is for sleep and sex only. And if you're not doing one or the other in it, you've got to get out of it. And you've got to make it conducive to sleep. This right here destroys our circadian rhythm at night. These kids, too, sleep with their phones right here under their pillow or, you know, right by their head. And a lot of midlife women do as well because what do they do when they wake up at 3 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, scroll away. Yeah. Right? Dude, so we gotta away. get this yeah. we gotta get this phone out of the bedroom and the TVs out of the bedroom. And we've got to, you know, you can read in your bed, but your sleep is so important. And if you're eating an inflammatory diet and you've got this gut and just 20 kinds of heck going on on fire over here, you're not going to be able to sleep and rest and digest at night. Literally, your entire body detoxes and your brain for sure when you get deep, deep restorative sleep. And it's key. And there's lots of different ways. I talk all about it in here. You know, there's lots of things to help you sleep, magnesium or supplements, but more so than anything, lifestyle and no alcohol. Alcohol at night. If we're going to start drinking well, we might as well do it now. It's about 11 o'clock. I mean, you want to day drink a little. Don't, you know, you all know I'm just joking, but not really. Seriously, if you're going to have a drink, then have it in the early afternoon. Don't do it at night because alcohol does not help you sleep. It's going to raise your blood sugar up and it drops it back down. You're going to wake up between two and four in the morning every single time. Every time. And if you already have trouble sleeping, it's just going to make it just like this. And then that's going to cause weight gain, that weight gain around the middle when you can't sleep at night, that estrogen is out of balance, your progesterone's out of balance. I mean, it's it's all connected, but alcohol is key for not drinking it at night within at least four hours of bedtime and then getting enough protein. We don't get enough protein. Most women don't. And 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 if you wake up between two and four, that's generally blood sugar dropping in the night. My patients will just eat a little bit, of, a handful of nuts or a little bit of nut butter or some sort of protein right before they go to bed. Most of the time, their sleep starts to stabilize. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's good to yeah. know. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. You also mentioned, and something that never occurred to me until I read your book, all the electronics that you have in your room. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that can affect you? Yeah, yeah. It affects your circadian rhythm. And those electromagnetic fields are very disruptive to your sleep, also your heart rhythm. I mean, everything. So distance is your friend when it comes to electromagnetic fields. We can't get away from it right now, right? You got microphones, we've got computers, we've got ring lights on us. I mean, we're being bombarded with it all day long. Electromagnetic fields, 5G, computers, TVs, but your bedroom has got to be free of that. And one of the things that upsets people more than anything is they're sleeping on a $5,000 electric bed 
And that bed, that bed, I guarantee you is not helping you sleep. I mean, you are sleeping literally, you might as well be sleeping on 45 computers because it's it's all electric. You're sleeping on electromagnetic fields. So my friend who's an electrical engineer, she says, you know, the best way to deal with this one is to set it where you need it. And I don't know, I don't have one, so I don't know. Set it and then unplug it, unplug it. So get the electrical current out of, out of your bed. So you're still going to have electricity because it's all energy, you know, through there, but it's going to be less. Put this phone in the bathroom or at least on airplane mode because your alarm's going to go off and you can set it to where like my kids can get in touch with me, even if it's on airplane mode, that's in your settings there. Um, And this phone, actually, you all may not know this. It tells you in the settings I don't know about an Android, but an iPhone does exactly how far it has to be off of your body to prevent cancer. You go to your settings. I'm sitting here looking at mine now. (laughs) You hit general, general. Uh So for all of you listening, do do this. If you're watching on your phone, don't do it. (laughs) If you're driving. Scroll all the way to the bottom. Do you Uh see where it says legal and regulatory? Yes. Oh, yeah. Buried in the bowels. Click it. Uh Then you'll see where it says RF exposure, radio frequency exposure. First paragraph, it tells you my phone needs to be five millimeters off your body. It cannot be touching your body ever. You're going to increase your risk of brain cancer, testicular cancer for the boys who have testicles, right? Ovarian cancer for girls who put their phone in their, their pockets, Breast cancer, we see breast cancers the size of these lithium batteries when people put their phones here. Mm-hmm. They, they're covered when you get a cancer caused by electromagnetic here. fields. Isn't that fascinating? Wow. That is fascinating. Oh. Distance is your friend when it comes to electromagnetic fields. So unplug your bed, make your bedroom a sanctuary. Literally, when you cross that threshold into your bedroom, it's clean, it's free, your wireless router's not in there. Your TV's not in there. You, if you've got a partner in the bed with you, you need to be talking to your partner. You need to be talking to him, not fubbing him. Fubbing him. That's the literal word for this is fubbing. You're just like this on your phone. You're fubbing him instead of snubbing him or effing wow. him. I know, I know, right? <laughs> right, right. Which will help you sleep, by the way, an <laughs> orgasm. Nobody ever complained about an orgasm, right? So no, never heard about, about that all day long with midlife women and and not wanting us not having a sex drive and all. So we kind of went around our butt. I know, I know. That's all right. We're talking but sleep, which is the second step, and that's important. all connected, right? You got to eat well. You got to sleep well, and I've got tons and tons of tips in there in that chapter. And you've got to move well. Because if you don't sleep well, you'll never eat well, and you certainly won't move well. And if you're not moving well, you're not going to sleep well. The research is clear. The people who exercise, they sleep better and they eat better. They take better care of themselves. I mean, we're not perfect. There was only one perfect human out there, and it's certainly not me or Colleen or Bridget over here. (laughs) But but you got to move your body. So if Colleen and Bridget are exercise buddies, they're not going to let each other down. you got to find a buddy. I don't care if you rollerblade. The older we get as midlife women, do you know what the number one exercise is to, to ward off Alzheimer's and dementia? Would that be ballroom dancing? Ballroom uh, dancing. Girl, you got it. <laughs> I read that. 
<laughs> ballroom <laughs> dancing. Ballroom dancing. No one is born with Alzheimer's disease. If you don't think that's a disease of prevention, you are sadly mistaken. All disease is a disease of prevention, but Alzheimer's for sure, right? My mom was not born with it, and now she's 78 years old and full-blown Alzheimer's. It's just full-blown. Horrible. So exercise is key. You've got to move your body. Whatever is going to give you joy. Danny, I don't like to exercise. Well, that's tough. So too bad. And women... <laughs> Women who exercise in the morning, their metabolism is sped up about 13 hours if you're really moving it and exercise in the morning. So make a make a commitment, just like Jack LaLanne did. I talk about that in here. Jack LaLanne hated to exercise. So people that are listening to this who are our age, they know who Jack LaLanne is, had the longest running show ever for exercise. He hated the exor- to exercise, little known fact about him, but he made a commitment in his young years he was not going to eat breakfast until he exercised. And he loved to eat more than he loved to exercise. So he exercised every morning. And his wife, who is still alive in her 90s, same thing to this day, exercises wow. before she eats breakfast. We've got to try new things. Not only is it good for your brain, it gets those neurons firing in all different directions and learning something new, right? Learning a new sport, learning how to do something, ballroom dancing, because the reason for that, the reason it staves off that dementia and Alzheimer's, you got to think. I mean, you've got to think you've got a partner with you. You're not just out there twerking, going crazy on your own. You literally are having to 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 think your brain has to fire so you've got to eat well sleep well move well and when you move well you're going to sleep and eat better and you're going to poop better mm-hmm. well see here we are at the the one that has been my the bane of my existence since birth which is the poop well number four for you but let's talk about pooping because you do talk about the fact that people should poop twice a day and that people who are struggling with moving their bowels on a daily basis, what do you suggest yes. to your patients for that? Well, do you know the number one, the, now yours has maybe is a functional something because you said it's been since you were little, but for most people, the number one reason for constipation is what? You're dehydration. Water. <laughs> dehydration. Yeah. Dehydration. Mm-hmm. I weigh 130 pounds. I need a minimum of 65 ounces of water a day. If you drink coffee, you have to add another eight ounces per cup, right? If you drink tea, the same thing. If you sweat, then you got to add another eight ounces. So, I, I mean, I'm already up to at least 80 ounces of water a day that I need just to keep those bowels going and keep you hydrated. Plus, dehydration causes fatigue, migraine headaches, constipation, lots of things. So, first thing we do is try to get them drinking enough water and cutting down, you know, on the caffeine, although caffeine also can help you go to the bathroom. A lot of people will go after they have coffee in the morning. Stress, stress will create a lot of constipation as well. Childhood trauma, because think about where this is. This is down in the pelvic region down here. So that's another thing that'll cause it. Not maybe needing a good probiotic or you chew your food. How about you chew your food? People who actually chew their food poop better because they're creating those digestive enzymes that start in the mouth and then they go to the pancreas and the stomach and enzymes break down food. So if you can't break down your food, you're also not going to poop very well. So we've got to break down the food so that it's, 
you know, you're able to digest it and assimilate it and actually use the minerals from the food um, for energy. Uh, magnesium. Magnesium is one of the best things for constipation. Like, do you take magnesium? Glycinate. You bet. So citrate, there's a million forms of magnesium, right? Magnesium oxide, very harsh for constipation. I don't recommend it very often, sometimes, but not much. Magnesium citrate, same thing, constipation. Glycinate, chelate, malate, hands down. That's what we sell in the store, um, is the best there is for sleep and headaches and pooping and relaxation, high blood pressure, depression, anxiety, restless legs. Magnesium has over 300 functions in your body. So it's that's a big one. I would take at least 300 milligrams, maybe 500. 500's not going to hurt you. You know, check your magnesium levels every now and then and see. Maybe just vitamin C as well. Vitamin C, the only side effect of vitamin C is diarrhea. So guess what? You could use a little loose stool, right? <laughs> right? So then Blue you're Jane, You know what I want for my birthday? I'll, I'll get you C. I'll get you some, girl. Vitamin <laughs> C is cheap. All you need is Plano, inexpensive ascorbic acid, buffered, preferably. It's less harsh on the stomach. But, you know, some vitamin C, a probiotic, a hydration, um, um, magnesium, decreasing your stress, well, exercising and all those things, you know, eating a clean diet. Um, but it's key. I mean, we're supposed to poop like that poodle. I got a standard poodle right here beside me. He eats and he goes and poops not very much longer, right? And after that, and he's excited about it. You know, it kind of leads us into the fifth secret that you talk about, and that's lowering stress, you which bet. is a huge thing, but not so easy to do. What do you suggest for women in our demographic to lower their stress level? Automate, eliminate, and delegate everything you can out of your life. A-E-D. I stole that acronym from, from Michael Hyatt, a good friend of mine who, who is a business coach and all, but I've converted it to my to the healthcare side of things. You know, AED, boom, is what brings you back to life, right? If you have a cardiac arrest at the gym, they're going to shock the crap out of you and bring your heart back to life. It's the same thing in your life. Automate everything you can. Now, I go to the grocery. I love to go to the grocery. I don't have anybody pick out my bananas and apples and all that mess. I am very... I love it because it's like a business trip for me. I see all my patients, you know, in town. <laughs> and and so, and they're all, and it also keeps me honest because I'm not putting crap in my cart when I've got Colleen walking up to me, who's not my patient, but, you know, know what you're like, saying, what are you eating, Danny? What do you yeah. got? Because they all do. So anyway, <laughs> I don't automate my groceries being delivered, but if you hate it, if you've got three or four kids at home and you can't stand going to the grocery and your husband's gone all the time and you've got to do it, Automate it. Let somebody bring your groceries in. Automate your bills. Automate your lawn care. Everything you can, automate it. Eliminate everything that is not serving you well. And that's that goes for soul suckers in your life. The people who literally suck the air out of the room the second they walk in, they do nothing but drag you down. They have done nothing to help you with your life. Like, um, you know, they don't add value. I, and, and I know this sounds cruel, but I am telling you as women, 
We don't cut those people. We don't remove ourselves from those people very often because we feel guilty. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And if it's family members, set your boundaries. You don't. There, no one says you have to be best friends with your family because they could be driving you crazy. Like my, well, my mother was, and you know, I had to keep my boundaries. And now with Alzheimer's, it's all messed up again. But anyway, um, you set your boundaries, right? Job, right? If you're in a horrible job, guess what? Find a new job. There's plenty of people out there that are hiring right now. I was in a very stressful situation 10 years ago. Great job. Good nurse practitioner. I was busy, busy, but it was killing me. And I knew I had a choice to make. So I stepped out of the boat and opened my own clinic and my own store. And it wasn't easy, but I did it. Now the stress is self-inflicted on me, <laughs> myself, right? So I don't have anybody to blame. But you got to eliminate everything you can. I mean, and you got to delegate everything you can, right? So as women, we tend to hold on to stuff and then get angry about it because we're doing it all. Well, I'm sorry. You know, we we set the tone for the entire home as women and the mood that I am in or you are in when you walk through that door, the entire family picks up on it. And if you haven't set some margin in your life, some sort of breathing room in your life, all it takes is one little thing to go crazy. If you don't, for you to just act ugly. And I did. When my kids were little, I acted ugly. I said horrible things. I had no room for margin, no room for error. I was literally pouring from an empty vessel. And there's nothing there. We can't do that. So I really try to help women see you've got to fill your vessel up. You fill your vessel up because you're worthy to have a full vessel and have that oxygen mask on first. I don't know what that looks like for every woman, right? But you got to put your oxygen mask on and you got to automate, eliminate, and delegate. You've got to build your self-care into your life. You have to have a life that you don't want to escape from. So, so hard when you're raising little kids and we're on this hamster wheel, right? And you're just, but as we get older, I've seen the value in less is more. Less is more. Less stuff in your house, less chaos in your life, right? If you don't want to have Thanksgiving at your home and it stresses you out to host Thanksgiving, I talk about this in the book, you have the right to send a group family message out to everyone and say, I can't do it this year. It's not good for me. And they freak out. But you guess what? You got five months till Thanksgiving right now. Start putting this, start putting the word out there. So we've got, if you don't think that stress is killing us, all you have to do is look at the suicide rates going up right now. The phone calls to suicide crisis lines went up 800% during the pandemic. 800%. The fastest growing rate of suicide is aged 10 to 24. 10 to 24. And then you have older white men also who are killing themselves in, in record numbers. So we're in a mess and it's on us to automate, eliminate and delegate and give those kids responsibilities, man. Now, maybe we're talking to older women. So, you know, those kids are grown. This is the perfect time to free yourself of all of the BS 
that has been weighing you down. This postmenopausal state, man, is phenomenal, in my opinion. Do you not think so? Oh, yes. God. I, I don't think I've ever been happier. I say that uh, all the time. Me either. Yeah. Me either. And so stop waiting, though, until you're postmenopausal to be happy. I wish I would have learned that years ago, right? Quit adding things on to your life. Learn what is most important to you and only say yes to the thing. If I didn't want to do this today, if I didn't want to do that panel in October, I would have said I would have had zero problem saying, I'm sorry, ladies, I can't do it. My plate is full. Menopause is a privilege and an honor and a rite of passage denied by many women, ladies. They never live this long to get here. So I am telling you, take it, embrace it, and start getting some, setting some boundaries and getting some margin in your life. You can thank me later. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of leads me into your last one, which is community. And especially with the pandemics, as we're talking about, you know, that time of life, a lot of people felt isolated. And now you add on for midlife women, a lot of women are getting divorced. Their children are leaving the nest. They're not working as long hours as they used to. And that isolation is hard. Can you talk about how that affects our health? You bet it does. Well, we know that community is life-giving. The research is clear on this. When you have a tribe or when you have community, right, your cortisol levels go down. Your immune system goes up. You're healthier. You get sick less when you've got a tribe to laugh with and and carry on with and have coffee with and whatever. Um, Community is key. It will extend your lifespan. And post-COVID, right, we had, this was our community right here, Zoom. This is not community, I'm telling you. I mean, I think y'all are fabulous and all, (laughs) but eyeball to eyeball in person with somebody, right? That's community. On your pickleball court, right, with your people, that's community. In your ballroom dance lessons, that's community. So, I mean, I'm the one in my community who's the cultivator. Somebody has to be the one who cultivates community. It just happens to be me. Um, but again, as we get older, you're right. These women, they go through a divorce. I sit and, I sit and listen to this all day, every day. In fact, I had a new patient yesterday, three children growing up. Husband uh, is a doctor. She's raised these kids alone. They're getting these kids in eight years. The last one's going to be gone out of the house. And it is a very lonely season for her. Just anticipating. Well, right now she's buying trouble, right? Borrowing trouble. She's anticipating what might happen with the children. But she's she does not have community. She doesn't have tight friends because she spent 15 years raising kids, right? And her husband's out. And she said, she said, I'm really scared about what's going to happen. I said, well, you got to start now, right? Cultivating these people and, you know, cultivating community and then also taking breaks though away and having some time by yourself just as important with is as community is also spending some time with yourself regenerating and regrouping and just refreshing one or two good buddies. You don't have to have a whole group of 12 or 15, but it is life giving 
to have community. And then you're going to eat better because you're going to have little, you know, you're going to have little get togethers and maybe you're going to eat and move better. You're going to exercise better. You know, you're going to, I don't know if having community makes you poop better, but I, I don't know about that. I'll I give it a try, Bridget. Let's expand <laughs> our friendship. Let's do that. Let's yeah. try. And, you know, we're going to continue this conversation because you are joining us in October for our big event, Conversations with Prime Women. And we are so grateful that you're going to be sharing this expertise with the people who are attending. So thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it's not rocket science. It's I'm, I'm pretty smart. I am. But I've been a single mom for 20 years, went through nursing school on food stamps and a medical card, had a crappy childhood. I'm going to tell you, I've got a lot of, com- I've got more common sense than most people. So as a woman, single mom, entrepreneur, sick, growing up, well, you know, sick-ish, just turning on one thing after another, I'm living proof you can turn around anything you want. I am living proof that it's not easy, but it is worth it. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you, ladies.